Okay, everybody's in one place. We've finally figured out the time to do this. It's week 12 of the Brotherly Sports Podcast presented by the Fans Place. Wex, Rory, and Connor. Guys, another good week of sports in the books. What was the most exciting thing you guys did this weekend? I've done just about nothing this weekend outside of watching college football, a little bit of working out, and a little bit of work. So it's been a pretty, pretty common weekend for me. Uh, definitely watched some college football yesterday. Watched the, some of the Bearcats game um, and a little bit of that Clemson Notre Dame game. And then, um, as Connor likes to put it, I um, tried to further my amateur music career. Both Friday, Friday and Saturday night, I played at a couple bars. What instrument? Uh, I, I play piano and I, I sing. I just do cover songs and it's kind of standard piano bar stuff. What's your favorite song to cover? Ooh, favorite song? Probably Rocket Man. I'm a big Ellen John fan. Okay, okay. It's a classic. Yeah. yeah, and people usually like hearing that. Everybody always wants to hear the standard Tiny Dancer and Piano Man. And of course, you get all the, the out of left field requests that I don't know how to play. So I <laughs> have to politely decline those. Well, moving on from Rocket Man to the hot performances of the week. Touch the handle. If it's hot, there could be a fire in the hallway. Ah, my hand, that's hot! Ah, this was hot too! What does warm mean? I had the Colts outside linebacker Darius Leonard tore it up. Nine tackles, two for a loss, one sack in the route of the Detroit Lions by the Colts. Darius Leonard should be the player of the month, possibly defensive player of the year. I don't know how you can get hotter than that. Yeah, I, um, living in Indianapolis watch the Colts just about every every week it, it is clear they're a very different team with Darius Leonard on the field versus off the field in terms of that defense is one of the best defenses in the league when he's on the field I'm actually we're recording this right before the the Sunday 1 p.m games and I'm debating whether I want to start their defense against Baltimore or go with the Cardinals against Miami and anytime he's on the field um, he's a one-man wrecking crew so a lot of talent flies to the ball all the time um maybe one of the more underrated players in the NFL. He doesn't get a ton of hype. Um, he's been off and on the field a little bit over the last couple of years. My hot performance of the week, uh, pretty well known, probably Dalvin Cook coming back strong, 220 yards from scrimmage, four TDs. He really completely changes that Vikings offense. Um, Alexander Madison it really is a pretty good running back in his own right and can do some of the things that Dalvin Cook can do, but I think Cook just gives Kirk Cousins a lot more confidence in the pocket. He can leak out. He can catch the ball. Um, he's pretty good in pass protection. And then when you get the ball in his hands, he's dynamic. So uh, the Vikings, they're not out of the playoff race. It would be very challenging for them to get in, but they certainly won't be, won't be in the conversation at all if Dalvin Cook's not healthy the rest of the year. Yeah, I think for me, my hot performance was the Dolphins' defense and special teams last week against the Rams when – they had two forced fumbles and fumble recoveries, two interceptions, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, a punt return touchdown, and an interception return to the one. So they basically put up 21 points, and the Dolphins only scored one offensive touchdown that entire game and won 28-17 against the Rams, who were looking pretty strong. It was in, in Tua's first start, too, so it doesn't hurt as your first start as an NFL quarterback to be getting – that type of help from your defense and special teams. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week when that defense and Tua has to go and play Kyler Murray and, and the Cardinals and that air raid offense that's putting up some serious points. And it'll be another matchup of people that finished 1-2 in the, in the Heisman voting in college 
so that'll be it'll be fun to watch to see if see what two has got and if he can match match the production of the Cardinals offense and and start turning himself into into a solid NFL quarterback here. Jared Goff is so challenging to figure out. One week he he you know throws for three hundred yards and a couple of TDs. The next week he looks horrendous, like he did against the Dolphins. Um, just never really know what you're going to get from him. He certainly has weapons uh, on the outside in that in that offense. So the Dolphins' defense, I think, is a little bit underrated. Xavier Howard is one of the better corners in the game from a, a cover cover corner perspective. Um, they've got some people that can definitely make some plays. They're they're a scrappy team, so we'll see if they. Uh, affects the um, wild card race down the stretch. Inconsistent. Are you calling Jared Goff the new Flacco? He might be. I mean, but you know, Carson Wentz also hasn't looked good either. And for a long time, there's a there's a debate on the you know, Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz. Music, sweet music. All right, what we liked and hated, biggest plays of the week, mistakes. For me, I had a like. It was Michigan State beating the Ann Arbor football team again, 27-24. to 24. And then IU beating the Ann Arbor football team, 38-21. to 21. And I love seeing Michigan just get run over. And that was my like. That was all of it in one fell swoop. I think for me, it was a little bit different from football. Justin Turner, Manfred came out and said, Justin Turner's not going to get punished at all for coming back on the field to celebrate after a positive COVID test, which I, I don't know how you could, how that's even possible. I don't, in a, in a world and where professional athletes are fine for wearing the wrong clothing, how you can not at least find him or do something for, or the the Raiders, I'll talk about a little bit later, the Raiders losing a, a twenty twenty one draft pick because of because of COVID violations and Justin Turner doesn't even get a slap on the wrist for coming back when he tested positive for COVID just makes no sense to me. Um that and then good seeing the the Pac twelve getting back into action. I like that as well as the Mac. So we're starting to hit full stride with the with NCAA football. Yeah, I guess if your championship is over and your season's done, the, the Rona doesn't exist. <laughs> Apparently not. Rory, so what I'm about gonna, you? I'm going to assume, Sam, that you're an OSU fan, given your comments on Michigan. No, I'm a Michigan State fan. Oh, you're a State fan. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep it in college football in terms of uh, like and hate. And um, I like the fact that there's some respect for the group of five teams from the, the AP here um cincinnati is ranked well we're about to get the new rankings released i would imagine in the next few hours um after some of the action that happened yesterday but uh last week's poll cincinnati was ranked number six byu was ninth um even further down coastal carolina marshall liberty smu um there's a there's been a lot of respect for for those teams this year a lot more than i think i've seen in some some years past um on the flip side of that my hate is Oregon starting off the season um, here at number 12 without having played a game, uh, you know, above the likes of a, of a two and O IU team, um, even a, a four and one Oklahoma state team, um, which didn't look super great yesterday, but I, I'm not a huge fan of these teams coming in, not having played some, some squads have, have, you know, put six, seven uh, games together 
um, and, and still coming in starting the season at, at number 12. I think it, it, there's just a lot of bias for some teams that have been good for in years past. Um, and, and that always kind of bothers me from the voters. Is this the AP, is this the AP poll folks repaying the West Coast teams for the yearly Eastern time zone bias against the West Coast guys? It might be. I'm always curious, and I don't know the answer to this, um, but how many of the voters for these polls actually watch these teams versus just reading box scores? Because you look at some of these teams, and you know, I'm curious to hear Connor's thoughts on the Georgia-Florida game. I didn't really watch that one. Um, I was more invested in the Bearcats game, but I did watch a, a decent amount of Notre Dame-Clemson, and neither one of those teams truthfully looked like an actual contender to me um, Clemson and I know Clemson was missing obviously Lawrence and, and some of their better defenders, but they've been a little bit shaky all year. That defense is not what it was or what it has been the last couple of years. They, they just don't look like a number one team to me. I think Alabama or OSU would steamroll them. And yet they, they continue to sit in that number one spot week in and week out. They obviously won't be after losing to Notre Dame, but I imagine they won't drop lower than fourth given that, you know, Lawrence and those defenders were out. So they'll just sit there all year and then, you know, if they don't lose, they're not going to drop any farther than that. So Yeah, then they'll show um, up in the 1-4 game like usual. Nothing will change. Exactly. So, Connor, I don't know what your thoughts were on, on Georgia-Florida, but that was my takeaway from the Notre Dame-Clemson game. I think it's tough because it's hard. I mean, when you've been to four straight national championship games, as Clemson has, right, or made the playoffs four straight years in a row, won two out of the last four, until you – unseat the champion they're not they're always going to get that respect and to be fair they haven't looked great but if you go back and look at their games they have still won by a lot over pretty much every team they've played that might have been close until the third quarter and they blew them out in the fourth or so it's it hasn't looked quite as dominant they have been a little bit shaky they're starting two true freshmen on the defensive line, which which is always interesting. They're literally playing high school football last year, and now they're playing ACC playoff contention football for, for Clemson. So I think that defensive line is probably just a little bit young, and as the, the season goes on, they'll get even better. Um, the Georgia-Florida game, honestly, Florida looked pretty good. Georgia just really, really struggled at quarterback. And I think that's going to be Georgia's issue this year is they don't really have a strong quarterback to lead them. I think their quarterbacks were combined seven for 24 in that game through the, at least the first three quarters or something. And they tried two different quarterbacks. It didn't work. So it, I honestly don't know if Florida even looked that good. It was more they benefited from an inept Georgia quarterback situation and they're able to take advantage of short fields, turnovers, Trask did look pretty good. He put some balls on the money, but he also made some some throws that could have been picked. So it was not your typical SEC showdown between Georgia and Florida where you'd expect really strong defensive play with good, solid quarterbacks and, and high talent. It was, it was pretty messy. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens to Florida in the rankings given they beat the four team, number four team in the country pretty handily. They might jump UC and they might jump Texas A&M. Uh, we'll see. I want to point yeah, out the, that having an 18-year-old quarterback in a big game in the South is basically what I suggested the Dallas Cowboys do. <laughs> the, um, I don't I, want to say I called it, but. <laughs> I think that this year, 
the, it, the tricky part about this year is no one really played any out-of-conference games. So it's very challenging to, to know whether the SEC is stronger, whether the Big Ten is stronger, whether the Pac-12 is stronger. So a lot of voters are just going to rely on year-old, you know, years-long assumptions on, on which conferences are better. The SEC will likely have the first shot at two teams in the playoff versus anyone else. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the Big Ten. IU looks like the only team – maybe with a shot to beat OSU, depending on how the Wisconsin COVID situation pans out. I assume, I think OSU will beat IU, uh, and then, you know, IU maybe has a chance to sneak back in there. But I, I really just hope, and this comes from a small place of bias, because obviously we're, we're pretty big Bearcats fans, but I really think if there is a year for the committee to give a group of five team a chance to sneak into that fourth spot, this this really is the year, because there's no outside evidence to conclude that any of the group of five, the, the power five teams that have a loss are significantly better than any of the non-power um, five conference teams are because no one's played anyone. So you, you, you simply can't, you just can't make that argument um, really. And I haven't seen a single team outside of OSU and Alabama to me that looks significantly better than any of the other teams out there. So I, I just think this might be the year. And I believe a couple of the committee members actually come from group of five schools now. So um, they have changed a little bit of the balance of power there. It'll, it'll, of course, you know, Cincinnati would have to win out without a doubt. A couple of the people that they play have to win every game other than playing Cincinnati for them to have a chance. SMU probably being the main one. All right, moving from gridiron football to association football. Looking at the Champions League, German clubs are 4-0-0 since the end of October. And Wunderkind Christian Pulisic scored again. Uh, Pulisic did score again, unfortunately, then. He's been injured since then. He picked up a, um, an injury in, in pre-match training. Yeah, so I think we're at the point now where we're starting to worry a little bit about Christian Pulisic, his, his – injuries um they kind of add up he picks up these minor knocks and then they, they seem to bother him for a few weeks he gets back on the pitch obviously it takes a little while to get back to game speed and so he's really only effective for you know 50 to 60 percent of the season the, the the premier league is a very physically intensive league um, a lot of players who come into the premiership for some, from some other leagues um they they will note that i mean you really have to build up some body strength to, to kind of go hammer with a lot of the defenders um that that the premier league has and i think that it's a physical brand of football and it always has been it is and i i think you know pulisic is a little bit of a smaller guy um he 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 doesn't necessarily shy away from contact um but he's he's obviously really good at the ball with with the ball at his feet he's super fast he's really creative he's a player that doesn't do so well when he's bodied around um and and i think that that kind of contributes to some of these maybe contributes to some of these injuries so hopefully you know the physios over at um it, and it, and Chelsea will uh, will help him kind of you know create that body strength that I think he's going to need for for longevity purposes. Um, I guess elsewhere in the the Premier League, things are starting to maybe resemble a little bit more of what we would expect um, from the table. Everton um, lost to Man United uh, three to one at Goodison Park. That wasn't a great showing from them recently, and. Uh, Leicester, Tottenham, and Southampton are one, two, three in the standings. Liverpool is two back, but they do have a game in hand. So if they win that, they'll go back to the top of the table. 
Um, it, it, I still think Liverpool are the team to beat, although they're definitely more vulnerable with Van Dijk out. Um, but I, I do think these these teams, you know, the Southamptons, the Evertons, Aston Villas of the world, are going to mount more of a challenge this year than they have in years past with, you know, the, the issues with, with preseason training, not having quite as much of it. It's going to be kind of a wild year, and, and that, that'll be really exciting for, for premiership watchers. And before you move on from uh, Christian, I think all U.S. fans can agree that right before the next World Cup, they just need to put him in a bubble and keep him in a hotel room for two weeks, tell him don't move any muscles, and put some icy hot on at night and we'll be good and just stay there, don't get hurt. Yeah, something. I mean, I, I think U.S. fans are going to have to hope that for whatever reason, Chelsea that year are either out of the running or have solidified a top four spot, but aren't going to win the, win the, you know, the premiership and he gets a little more rest than he usually gets because yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, playing a full premiership season, playing a full prob hopefully champions league, you know, season, you've got FA cup. I mean, you, you can, you can run up about 50 matches over the course of a, a nine month period, um, which is very challenging when you're playing a full premier league slate. And then you have to go play the world cup. Uh, immediately following that. So um, that'll be a year American fans will obviously be watching closely, hoping he stays healthy. And U.S. fans are going to root for Chelsea to tank. All right. <laughs> for you to really win a Premier League season, you do need one of those players. I mean, there, there, there are times when you just can't find a way through where whoever you're playing has been, been, you know, a lot better defensively than you're expecting. And it takes that level of creativity from one, you know, outstanding individual to be able to, to do that. And, you know, Mohamed Salah has been that guy for Liverpool for a couple of years. Um, they've got probably a couple of guys who can do that. Bulisic is really the only guy for Chelsea, at least from what I've seen, who can, has the ability to consistently be that player. They have got a couple other people who have sort of spells of brilliance here and there, but he's the only guy for that Chelsea team that can consistently beat people in one-on-one -on -one situations. Um, and so without him, I think they're a top four, top five side with him healthy and playing consistently, they actually have a chance to contend for that, that Premier League title. But I do think he's that guy and he really is that important. And I would imagine for the U.S. national team, it's, it's kind of much the same. Um, you know, they, they have to continue to get better playing as a team. A lot of these young guys hopefully will play together for a long time and that'll come. But they're going to need the creativity of a Pulisic to compete at that highest level with the best teams in the world. I think this is also an interesting kind of aside from that is, you know, have you given, I don't know if you've been tracking all the rumors around Mbappe coming to the Premier League and how he might come over next year. He's trying no, to get away and he's mostly been tied to Liverpool and you can call it the rich getting richer with if Liverpool picks up Mbappe too. To be fair, Salah's not getting much younger. He's getting a little older, so I'm not sure how many years he has left in him, but Mbappe came over to the, the Premier League and joined Liverpool. That could be that could be pretty crazy. All right, moving back home, NFL Week 8. Are you ready, ready? We're ready! Are you ready for some football? The most exciting game I watched was the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. It was a statement game for the Steelers in a division rivalry, and it doesn't get any much bigger than that. Yeah, I think that game is, is interesting because Baltimore obviously went up early, and then – the, the Steelers came back. Lamar Jackson has not looked that good all season. He's looked a little bit tentative, looked a little bit off until he gets back into true form. 
I think the Ravens are going to struggle a little bit offensively. To be fair, they are getting six of their defensive starters back this week, which doesn't bode well for the Colts, um, but will bode well for, for the Ravens. So I'll be interested to see how they play down the line if Jackson can get back into maybe he was missing the four preseason games and he just hasn't gotten into a rhythm yet. But that offense has not looked like it did last year. And this could be, I mean, obviously the Steelers defense has been fantastic, but the Ravens to be fair, haven't looked good against some other teams as well. Maybe Dobbins will be a little bit of some, an injection of adrenaline they need. I mean, he ran for almost 120 yards last week, averaged almost eight yards a carry. So it'll be fun to see him get some more touches this week against the Colts and see how he and Jackson can do. That might be the, the one-two punch of the future there in, in Baltimore. This is definitely a prove-it game for Indianapolis and Baltimore. I don't think there's any way of getting out or getting around that. It is indeed, and we're going to have to wrap up this this podcast soon because my girlfriend will be really irritated if she can't watch the beginning of that Baltimore-Indianapolis <laughs> game here in a, in a few minutes. Um, the game that I was interested in last week was the Bills beating the Patriots. I know the Patriots haven't looked that good this year, but you know, anytime you have to to go play the Patriots in Foxborough, regardless of how good or not good they, they've looked, that, that's a challenging trip. The Bills had not beat New England in the last seven games that they played. It's their first win in in Foxborough since 2016. So if it, it, it came, it got tight at the end, Cam Newton fumbled pretty late in the game or else the, the Patriots would have at least tied that up. But for Buffalo to get over that hump of going into New England and winning a game um, in November – um, I think that's a pretty big statement for them, despite the fact that the Patriots clearly aren't as good this year as they have been in the past. So speaking of two teams with prove-it games, Seahawks-Buffalo today as well, it should be a pretty good pretty good day of um, Sunday football. And storylines we're watching, for me, it was the fact that more teams had to shut down their practice facilities because of COVID tests. Houston, Chicago, and Kansas City all missed time this week. Uh, because of positive tests and I think we're going to continue to see it, but Connor, you had another thought on COVID related issues in the NFL. Yeah, I think for me, I would say first and foremost, McCaffrey coming back will be is always exciting to get one of the best players in the league back. Now it's not easy to come back from a high ankle sprain as a running back and doing what McCaffrey does, but McDavis did a pretty good job while he was out, but there's just no replacing no replacing McCaffrey and he comes back in a week where they're playing the Chiefs. So that could make it a pretty fun game to watch. It makes the Carolina offense a little bit more high powered. But from a COVID perspective, I think the pretty serious slapdown that the NFL put on the Raiders is a kind of a awakening to the rest of the team saying, if you continue to blatantly go against what we've been saying, I mean, they took away a draft pick and that's huge. It was, it was a sixth round draft pick, but we all know pretty good talent can be found in the later rounds and develop into good players. And the money, I feel like these teams and organizations and coaches can br brush off the fines and, and pay it off. But once you start taking away draft picks, that's when it starts getting serious. And it's a pretty stark contrast to, to not penalizing Justin Turner at all and then taking away a, a draft pick from a team where you only really pick in seven rounds. And that could be one – around that they could have found someone pretty good. So I think it's the NFL saying that you need to take this seriously and, and we're, we're going to start handing down some pretty big punishments if you don't. At this point, if you're the Raiders ownership, Davis and all his guys, 
do you just staple the masks over the faces of all the coaches so they don't get fined again? I don't know Duck what you tape do, but or maybe masking tape just so it doesn't pull too much hair off. You might have to pull the Andy Reid and have a full-on plastic shield with the mask as well, so that there's you gotta <laughs> there's, have the windshield wipers. Right there's there's no second guessing if if it's covered. So my storyline for this week looks like Michael Thomas might finally maybe be back you can say that said that just about every week for the last four or five weeks but it's trending in the right direction the Saints offense has looked a little bit stagnant at times so I think we'll, we'll see how much of an impact Michael Thomas truly can have um, on that offense and some of their other receivers like a Traquan Smith do a lot better when they're not attracting you know, number one wide receiver attention from the secondary. So I think that'll open things up for the Saints, you know, quite a bit more. Do we know if Michael Thomas tried to fight anybody at practice this week? Sure hope not. I haven't seen that going around, so it, it seems, seems unlikely. One last thought. All right, you sad sacks. Last call. Connor? Mine was A.J. Hinge and Alex Cora both being rehired right after their suspensions ended. Which will be really interesting to see what – especially as free agents come in that weren't on some of those teams where they were coaching and seeing how they can help guide a clubhouse. If some players still think they're cheats and, and what happens, I'll be super interesting to, especially since the Red Sox are really in rebuilding mode after trading away Mookie Betts and working through that. And the Tigers have just been bad for a, for a long time. So it'll be interesting to, to track the, the success of those managers as they, as they try to manage those teams again. Yeah, Boston rehiring Alex Cora was about as predictable as a Nathan Peterman interception in the second quarter. It was telegraphed. You could see this coming from a mile away. All the big Boston guys were like, yeah, we'll see you in 10 months, Alex. And sure enough, Cora back in Boston uniform. You know, I think the players will probably get behind him and it'll be like nothing ever happened. My last thought was... Mookie Betts wound up getting a gold glove in right field and a silver slugger award for the outfield. Do we think he has an outside chance at the NL MVP or is it Freddie Freeman all the way? I definitely think he has an outside chance. That's for sure. We have to remember that, you know, all those votes were tallied before the postseason, So the Dodgers world series run won't, won't affect the voters there, but uh, he certainly put together a season that's worthy of consideration. There's no doubt about that. I, I think Freddie Freeman will win it, but um, I think Betts will, will definitely receive some votes. I'm the same. I think Betts will receive some votes, but I don't know if any player meant more to their team than Freeman did to Atlanta this year. I think Freeman deserves it. Yeah. I'm going to keep it in baseball with my last thought. We saw a few days ago, we saw the first, mid-major level free agent signing, Robbie Ray um, sticking with the Blue Jays for for $8 million a year. Um, I think that's interesting because, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I'm curious to see what kind of dollar values, you know, players are getting in contracts this season given the layoffs in MLB and a lot of the owners saying they don't have money. That's probably right around market value for someone like Ray with some great stuff, great strikeout potential, but the numbers and the peripherals don't necessarily, you know, say he's an elite starter. So it's sort of the first, the first sign there. Um, and I'm curious to see who the next signing is and definitely going to be following that the entire offseason. Well, Rory's got to go give the remote to his girlfriend so she can watch uh, Baltimore. <laughs> Connor, I don't know what you're doing, but you're back on the couch. Are you just going to watch football from right there? 
be watching football and have a softball tournament a little bit later today. So we'll be doing double duty. Busy afternoon. Well, I've got to go figure out who's mowing the lawn and making loud noises outside of my window. <laughs> and I'm going to edit this podcast at some point. But a whole lot of football watching today for all of us. Indeed. Well, you can go download the Brotherly Sports podcast on the fansplace.com or on Spotify or wherever else you find your podcast. And go download the Fans Place app on the Google Play Store or the App Store and get in on the contests. Rory, is there a contest this week? Not this week. We're actually doing a um, – we're redeveloping some stuff. We're going to come back probably early January for the NFL playoffs with a new design and, and some new formats uh, and some things. So for the next couple months, we'll keep doing the podcast. We'll keep people updated, but um, we're, we're, we're targeting a release there uh, for the new year. We've got a beta website coming out, a new podcast layout. It is, it's exciting stuff. It is indeed a lot, a lot going on. Well, you guys hold it down on the user interface and coding front, and we'll keep it solid over here on the podcast front. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>